1: You are listening to Killer. This is case number 28, Jacob Evans. Lock your doors, bolt your
0: windows, and turn off the lights. We're about Jacob Jake Ryan Evans was born on May 22, 1995, the third child of Daryl and Jamie Evans. His other siblings, from oldest to youngest, are Emily Coletti Evans, Audrey Elise Evans, and Mallory Evans. He grew up in an affluent neighborhood in Aledo, Texas, and attended Aledo High School up until January 2012, where he withdrew and began homeschooling, along with Mallory, who had begun homeschooling two years prior. His family lived on two acres in a gated community, and his mother was herself a public school teacher and assistant principal for 15 years. They attended a Methodist church in Aledo for years, but recently changed to a Catholic church. Former classmates of Jake described the teenager as the nicest kid, albeit
1: quiet and shy. Evans was 17 years old when he called 911 on the night of October 4, 2012, and told a dispatcher he killed his mother, Jamie Evans, and 15-year-old sister Mallory Evans. In the 20-minute recording, Evans describes exactly what he did and partially why, saying he felt they suffocated him, but he had been planning to kill somebody for quite some time.
2: Parker County 9-1-1, where is your emergency?
3: Uh, my house.
2: What's the address?
3: 152 River Creek Lane. Okay,
2: what's the emergency?
3: Uh, I just killed my mom and my sister. What? I just killed my mom and my sister. You just killed your mother and your
2: sister. How did you do that? Uh,
3: I shot them with a uh, twenty-two revolver.
2: And what is your name?
3: Jake Evans.
2: J. Evans.
3: Jake Evans.
2: Are you sure they're dead? Yes. Okay.
3: I want you to stay on
2: the phone with me, okay? Are you alright?
3: Yeah, I'm fine.
2: Okay. Hold on just a minute. Where is the gun?
3: Uh, it's on the kitchen counter.
2: Okay. It's a 22. Yes. Okay. Hold on. Jake, hold on. Stay on the line with me, okay? Alright. Jake? Yes? Are you on any kind of medication?
3: No. Well, I... Uh, I've been going to the allergist a lot lately Yeah. My mom, but no, nothing other than that.
2: Okay, how old are you? 17. You don't take any other kind of medication?
3: I mean, other than like Zyrtec and like Advil and, you know, like Sudafed and stuff like that, you know, for allergies and headaches, but yeah. no. Yeah.
2: Okay, do you, um, is there any reason that you were so angry at your mother and your sister?
3: Uh, I don't know. I, uh, I wasn't... It's weird. I wasn't even really angry with them. It just kind of happened. I've been kind of, uh, planning on, uh, killing for a while now. The the two
2: um, of them or just anybody?
3: Pretty much anybody. Why? I don't know. I uh, I, I don't really like uh, people's uh, kind of attitude. Right. I think they're kind of, they're very, uh, like, you know, emotional, I don't know, verbally rude to each other and stuff like that. Right. And, uh, and I don't know. It's okay. It's just my family, I don't know, they're just kind of really... I guess this is really selfish to say, but to me they I felt like they were just suffocating me in a way I don't know uh i i I think I'm, obviously you know I'm pretty uh i guess evil, but uh that's you know, whatever okay sorry.
2: are you, no, don't be sorry, it's all right. I'm listening, okay, you have my undivided attention uh were your mom and sister in their beds?
3: This this is really going to mess me up for this, you know, in the future. Uh, see, my sister, I told my sister that my mom needed her. Mm-hmm. She was in her room, and she came out of her room, and uh, I I shot her. She rolled down the stairs, and I shot her again. And then I went down and I shot my mom about maybe three or four times, but I'll never forget this. Uh, okay, that's fine. My, my uh, sister, she, she came down the stairs and she was screaming and I was telling her that I'm sorry, but to just hold still, mm-hmm. that, you know, I was just going to make it go away, you know, but she just kept on freaking out. But finally she fell down and I shot her in the head about probably three times.
2: So they're both downstairs? Uh yes. Okay, where are you?
3: In the kitchen.
2: Okay. You're not sitting by the gun, are you?
3: No, it's about like uh, ten or fifteen feet away from the
2: gun. That's all right. Where's your dad?
3: He's out of town.
2: Do you know where he is? Out of town?
3: Washington D.C. Okay. And uh, to. For, I guess, future reference, I don't really want to see any of my family members, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, like, it, and visiting or whatever. I, I don't know how it works or anything, but I, I just don't want any type of visitors. I don't want to see. So. Okay.
2: Where do you go to school, Jake?
3: Uh, Well, I used to go to Leo High School, mm-hmm. but now... Now I'm, I'm kind of being homeschooled.
2: Yeah, yeah. So there's just um, you and your sister and your mom and dad in the house live well, there?
3: no, my dad's out of town. Well, yeah,
2: but normally it's just your mom and your oh, sister and your dad and you.
3: Yeah, and my grandpa and grandma, they live across the street. And my, sis, oh, my oldest sister, she lives with my grandparents. And uh, I have another sister. Uh, and she's out in college. She's going to come out to visit us tomorrow.
2: Uh, Okay. You don't want to hurt yourself, do you?
3: Um, I don't know. I'm a little freaked out about guns now.
2: Oh, sure. But you don't want to hurt yourself. Yeah, I don't
3: know. I, I definitely, you know, I, I assure you, I definitely don't like myself, you know. But I'm just so freaked out by guns now, and... Just to let you know, like, I, 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 I I hate the feeling of killing someone. I, you know, uh, it, uh, I'm going to be messed up.
2: There, there are people that will help you. Well, you just take a deep breath. We have deputies coming and they're going to help you. We're here to help you too, okay? Um, we're going to help you. We're not going to hurt you, all right?
3: I understand if y'all want to, you
2: know. No, we're not going to hurt you. We're there to help you, Jake. All right. That's Everybody thinks that, you know, we want to do bad things, but we don't. We want to help people. Right or wrong, we want to help people, and we're going to help you. Okay? Do you understand that?
3: Yeah. We're also here to help.
2: Okay. Jake, where is the kitchen in the house? Is it the back of the house?
3: Yeah, kind of the to
2: the back, I guess, Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, we're talking with our sergeant now. He's almost at your house, but we'll probably, what I'll probably ask you to do, Jake, is when he get there is turn your porch light on. All
3: right. Okay.
2: Okay. And what he'll probably do is ask you to come out. Okay?
3: Okay. Okay. So
2: you'll be all right. You're going to be all right. Okay? All
3: right. I'm going to stay on the
2: phone with you, though, and talk with you. That's okay. And you can talk to me. I'll listen. Is there anything you want to talk about?
3: No, not really. Okay.
2: What's your grandfather's, or grandparent's last name? Stevens. Stevens. With a V or a P-H?
3: What's that? Stevens. S T A V E N S.
2: Okay. Okay. What's your grandpa's first name? Jim. Jim, and Grandma? Uh,
3: Diane. Diane.
2: Do you, is it a gated community? Is there a gate?
3: Uh, yes. Uh, do you want the password? Yes,
2: button? please. long radio. Okay. Do you have a driver's license? No. No, no driver's license? What's your date of birth, honey? Uh,
3: 1995. Month? Uh, May.
2: May, and the date?
3: May 22nd.
2: May 22nd, 1995?
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm sure you got some preliminary notifications you have to make. Uh, if you wait till tell them we're not on scene yet, and we'll let them know as soon as we get there.
2: It's going to be all right. It really is. Okay? All right. But I'm going to stay on the phone with you. They'll be there shortly. Won't be long now.
3: That's your call. Yeah, just follow your protocol, ours we got to wait we get on scene. Hall 434. Can I
2: 434, receive. Paul 434, are you in route to the 12 to assist?
3: I believe it is Parker. Yeah, until we get everything secured, I'll, i mean the the bodies, and then
2: we'll... 10-4. Uh... Jake, would you mind going to the front door and turning the porch light on, or any lights that you have outside?
3: Uh, Okay. Okay. Paul four fourteen
2: or Christian Paul four hundred four. My caller has turned the front lights on for you. Thirty thirty-four
3: fourteen. I'm coming in from the Alito side. Let's close this end. It's gonna be almost smack down in the
2: middle. <clears throat> Are you okay, Jake?
3: I'm just. Uh, I'm just thinking about my sister. Yeah.
2: How old is she? She's nine.
3: Uh, Fifteen. Uh, she, she was. I don't know. She had a really sweet side, but you know, she was kind, of, kind of racist and I don't know, kind of r- r- rude to me sometimes. I guess. Oh. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh man. How long ago did this happen, or how long ago did you, you shoot your sister and mom? Just a little while ago. Yeah.
3: Like when you called. Thirty. Thirty minutes. About ago, thirty minutes ago. Yeah. About thirty minutes ago.
2: Okay. You'll be all right, Jake. Okay? You'll be all right.
3: I'm, I'm, like, really worried about, like, you know, like, nightmares and stuff like that. Um, Are there any type of medication for that and stuff?
2: Well, I, I think there is. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but, you know, um, the, the justice system, and I'm sure your family yeah. will get you the yeah. support you need.
3: I don't mean to sound like a wimp or anything, but, you know, this is, (laughs) wow. I've never, like, done anything violent in my whole life, you know?
2: You don't sound like a violent person. No, you don't. But um, help will be provided for you, medical and psychological. That'll be provided to you, okay? So you don't have to worry about that right now. Take deep breaths for me, okay? You're doing fine. In through your nose and out through your mouth so you don't hyperventilate, okay? All
3: right.
2: And that'll slow down your heart rate, too. I'm sure it's just jumping all over in your chest. There you go. A couple more. Good. That sounds good. You sound a lot calmer right now. Just keep, keep taking deep breaths, and it'll keep the anxiety down. Are there any cars in your driveway, Jake? Uh,
3: no.
2: No cars in the driveway? Okay. Deep breaths, honey. In through your nose, real deep.
3: I just thought it would be quick, you know. <laughs> I, I, I didn't want them to feel anything. That's why I used a gun. <laughs> okay. But it was, it, it was like everything went wrong.
2: <laughs> it, it's all right. Keep breathing for me. Okay, just in through your nose, real slow out through your mouth. A Couple more deep breaths for me. There you go. Real deep in, real slow and real deep. Jake, my officers are almost there. Would you be be willing to walk out on your own?
3: Uh, yes. Yes. Um, I, yes. Uh, uh, I guess I should tell. Uh, I forgot. Uh, before I called. Yes. The gun on the counter. Uh, for some reason, when I put it down, it was loaded. Just uh-huh. to let y'all know.
2: Okay, that's fine. As long as it's on the counter.
3: Yeah, it's on the counter. sir. All right.
2: I I believe you. Okay, they'll be there shortly. But I'll stay on the phone with you until you know it's time for you to walk out. Okay. All
3: uh, right.
2: Are you on a on your home phone?
3: Uh, yes. Is it cordless? Uh, yes.
2: Okay. Okay. Keep breathing. Keep breathing. You're doing good. Well, what color's your house, Jake? Red brick. Uh, yeah. Okay. Brick. Red brick. Okay. Okay. Okay, Jake, what I want you to do is, after we get through talking, I want you to put the phone down and leave it in the kitchen. You don't have to hang it up, okay? But I want you to walk outside. But when you're walking through the house and outside, stay visible. You know, don't hide behind any furniture. Open the front door. Do you have a, a glass screen door or a glass door or just the front door? know, uh,
3: yeah, just the front door. Okay,
2: when you open the front door... Step back. Put your hands behind your head and slowly walk outside, okay? Or keep your, I'm not behind your hand, but keep your hands up in the air. Just walk very slowly and walk outside, but keep your hands visible. All right, sweetie? All right. Okay. Go ahead and put the phone down and do it. And then just listen to what Sergeant Fletcher has to say. He's very appreciative that you're willing to come out on your own. He thinks that's great, all right? All right. And I'll talk to you later.
3: All right.
2: You're welcome.
0: On October 4th, 2012, following the 911 call, Jake provided a voluntary statement to authorities, and it read as follows. I had just got home from the allergist and having lunch when I started watching Rob Zombie's Halloween. In the movie, a 12-year-old boy murders his stepfather, sister, and his sister's boyfriend. It was the third time this week that I watched it. While watching it, I was amazed at how at ease the boy was during the murders and how little remorse he had afterward. I was thinking to myself, it would be the same for me when I kill someone. After I watched the movie, I put it back in the case and threw it in the trash can so that people wouldn't think that it influenced me in any way.
1: After that, I went outside to hit golf balls in the yard for about an hour. I went inside around 5.30 p.m. and just sat in the living room thinking about how I was going to kill my family. My plan was to kill my sister and my mom at my house, then go over to my grandparents and kill my oldest sister, Emily, and my two grandparents. Then I was going to wait until morning and kill my other sister, Audrey, because she was visiting from college. After I got up from the couch, it was between six and six-thirty. My grandma had called my mom to ask if I wanted to go to the cleaners with her. I went, and while we were in town, we got dinner. We made a quick stop at the post office, then she dropped me off at my house.
0: I took my dinner to the pool house and watched Family Guy for a little bit. I went back in the house and saw that my mom and sister were watching the debate. I went outside again to swing freely with my golf club. Around 9 p.m., I went upstairs in my house to watch Family Guy. About 10 minutes later, my sister came upstairs and asked if I wanted to watch a movie. I said no because earlier that day, at the allergist appointment, she made racist comments about a black worker that was mowing the grass. She said, Quote, ha, that black guy looks like a monkey, Unquote. In the past, Mallory had always said racist comments like that and would also make fun of homeless people. I scolded her for what she had said and told her that she was becoming white trash.
1: We continued arguing in the doctor's office and when we got back into the car, I told her to look up the word lynching and to see if she had the same opinion about black people. She then said she would never be a part of a lynching but is still a racist. I then said that she makes me sick and called her a racist bitch. So that evening, after I told her that I didn't want to watch a movie, she went to her room, and I went downstairs to my parents' closet and got my dad's blue foldable knife. I went back upstairs and kept pacing back and forth, imagining killing Mallory. Thoughts of causing her pain kept entering my mind and were really bothering me. But then I'd think about the times she hurt my feelings or really pissed me off. So finally, around 9.30, I knocked on her door and asked her if she wanted to watch Waterboy.
0: She said yes, and sat on the couch beside the sofa I was on. I told her that I was going to the art room to get a pen. When I was in the art room, I stood there again, imagining killing Mallory. After 30 minutes, I finally went in the room and sat on the sofa with the knife in my pocket. I sat for about five minutes, and then playfully threw a pillow at Mallory. We started having a pillow fight in the room. After a while, I thought to myself that if I were to kill my mom and Mallory, I wouldn't want them to feel anything, so I decided to kill them both with a 22 revolver I stole from my grandpa. I told Mallory that I needed to go downstairs for a little bit.
1: After I saw that my mom was in the study, I went to my closet and picked up the pistol. I set it on the bed and was nervously opening the cylinder over and over again. I then spent probably over an hour walking nervously around the house thinking how life will never be the same and how I would never see them again. Around 11.15, I went upstairs with the pistol and stood there for about five minutes. I knocked on the door and told Mallory that mom needed her. She came out, and out of the corner of her eye, she saw me pointing the gun at her. She thought I was joking and told me that I was freaking her out. I shot her in the back, and then the head. I ran down to the study and shot my mom three times. In shock, I ran to my room and was screaming at the top of my
0: lungs that I am really messed up that I killed my mom and sister. As I emptied the shells on my bed, I heard noises and realized that Mallory was still alive. While I loaded the gun back up, I was shouting that I was sorry and then ran as fast as I could to kill her. I then made sure my mom was dead and shot her again in the head. After the shooting, I walked outside for a few minutes and then came back inside. Very shocked and scared, I placed the gun on the kitchen counter, walked into the living room and
1: dialed 911. When I look at people, especially teenagers, I see them as being very cruel to one another emotionally. It seems that their favorite hobby is picking on someone else. The people who are racist, bullies, and who are full of themselves are the really evil ones. And it amazes me because those three qualities are extremely common today. I was very sad because I felt my own family were becoming the people I hate. I know now that I am done with killing. It's the most dreadful and terrifying thing I will ever experience and what happened last night will haunt me forever. Signed, Jake Evans. Jake
0: Evans, age 19, pleaded guilty in a Parker County courtroom to two counts of murder. He was sentenced to 45 years on each count to run concurrently. A capital murder count included in this indictment was waived as part of the deal. In Texas, capital murder was only punishable by death or life in prison without parole. The United States Supreme Court ruled both unconstitutional because of Evans' age at the time. So in this case, we went through everything and we're going to go back now and discuss in totality everything that had just happened and kind of walk through this as a class, if you will. So one of the things that stood out here was that how do you feel about Jake's mental status going from being um, in typical school to reverting back to homeschooling? Do you think that that played any... Part in the way that he was behaving? Do you feel like perhaps he became a homeschooler because he was having some angst at school and didn't want to deal with the people that he was with?
1: It definitely sounded like he had issues with children of his age at the time. That could have been part of the reason why he was homeschooled. And this is a note that I wanted to talk about that that stood out in several of the articles that I read about Jake and what happened during this case. And some of the media outlets kept referring to him as being homeschooled along with his sister. And I, I just found it interesting that it, it felt like they were implying that this was was indeed a, a factor of why this happened. Maybe he had mental issues that his parents, you know, I don't know if they refused to seek treatment and just pulled him out and thought, you know, we'll we'll take care of Jake, we'll teach him at school, or teach him at home, I'm sorry. Because his mother was a a public school teacher and assistant principal, so she was obviously educated enough to do so.
0: Yeah, what I find interesting in all of that is, being that his mom is a public school teacher slash assistant principal, the fact that two of her kids are homeschooled is a little strange to me. So, are they behaviorally unfit to be in school, or do you know what I mean? Like what? what's the driver to send your kids home for homeschooling when you yourself work in a public school you would think that the parent in this case being a teacher would be all for her kids being in the public school system yeah
1: i totally agree it's it's strange circumstance for sure maybe maybe jake's parents knew that he was having issues or maybe had some mental issues i, I didn't come across any information to to put behind that but maybe they thought that they could take care of him better at home and, and keep him out of the public school system. But I, I know exactly what you're saying with his mom being a school teacher for 15 years and assistant principal. Those are usually the type of people that really promote the local school system and want to see you know kids thrive in that environment.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you would expect her to be an advocate of public school. So to send two of her kids home for homeschooling, like, what does that say about how they were as kids? Were they just you know a handful or mentally unfit and she felt like it would be best if they remained at home because they couldn't handle regular school and adjacent to that what about so when we're reading his statement like how loaded is this family what does their dad do for a living they have a an art room a pool house and a study this sounds like the typical teenage angst of a kid who has everything he could ever ask for but doesn't appreciate it at all.
1: Yeah, exactly. And while looking for information around the circumstances of what happened here, I did come across pictures of their home and the crime scene. And yes, they were. I didn't find exactly what Jake's dad did for a living, but they were very affluent. It was a very nice neighborhood, a very nice home. And one of those things where he, he talks about watching Family Guy and then going out back and hitting golf balls in the yard at the pool, taking his dinner to the pool house. I don't know a lot of people that have a pool house. As a matter of fact, I only know one person that has a pool house at their place. But yeah, I mean, maybe the environment he was raised in too isolated him as well. I mean, maybe that contributed to his mental status as well.
0: Yeah, I just, I thought it was an interesting little tidbit you'd hear tossed in here and there or just like little things like that, that he was strung into a statement and just how it seems just on the surface how privileged he probably was you know his dad's in washington dc assuming that's on business of some kind i don't know what his father did exactly but yeah it just seems like you know he had anything that he could have ever wanted or needed and something set him off so What actually set him off is the question. Uh, He claims that he was watching the Halloween movie, Rob Zombie's version, which blows, by the way. And uh, that's the movie that got him thinking about killing his family because in the movie, young Michael Myers just kills his family, so matter of fact. I think he clearly missed the point of that. But you know, what did you think of that when he was bringing that up and kind of referring to that as his initial inspiration
1: for committing the murders? I feel like his notion to kill his family probably was something that was in the back of his mind before he watched the movie it, it kind of feels weird that they tied this movie into his motive i, I mean it's the age old question do horror movies do violent video games do things of that nature make people do these these bad things i mean it's it it like a, it's the age old question it's been around for a long time i i don't know i i don't I'm sure it contributed to it. He might have felt like it was going to be easy to do by watching what was happening there. But to me, if he couldn't formulate in his mind that it was still, you know, really terrible, something you should never even think of doing, I I think there was something wrong even before the movie, honestly.
0: Yeah, I mean, there had to be. There's no way that you go from watching a movie to I'm going to commit murder. You know how many millions of people watch horror movies and don't turn around and go slaughter their whole family. Something's just not right. And he mentions that, you know, up until that point, like his sister was doing a bunch of things that were really irritating him. But in his initial plan, he was talking about basically wiping out his entire family. But he never mentions his dad, which I thought was kind of interesting. But it was like his grandparents and all of his siblings. And he had a plan to just wipe them all out. And that part I found interesting because if you go read some forums and message boards regarding this this case. The some some people's thoughts were he was setting up this nine one one call with the way he would say certain things in order to make it seem easier on him later, you know, like, I I'm gonna be messed up from this forever, or I don't like guns, you know, whatever. Um that he was saying in that call. And he had a whole plot to take out the rest of his family. So I doesn't I don't necessarily buy that that he was setting that up I guess is what I'm gonna say. What do you think about that?
1: No, I agree that it didn't feel like he was setting it up. I mean, I think he had full intentions of killing the rest of his family. But like you said, he's he's setting it up in the call to maybe make himself feel at ease later on. But after he killed his mom and his sister, he realized, you know, just how horrible it was. I have a feeling just listening to him describe the way that it made him feel when he killed his parents that this kid had never probably shot a gun. Maybe he had, but he definitely was, doesn't sound like the type of person that may have never went hunting with his dad or his grandfather or something along that lines, because he didn't know what it went. Once he pulled that trigger and killed his mom and his sister and what it felt like to kill someone or something, I believe it did really mess him up. I think he was messed up before you know, this whole thing went down. But once he killed his mom and sister and saw the aftermath and then heard noises coming from Mallory and then had to turn around and reload the gun and shoot both of them again just to make sure they were dead, he he came right out and said, I'm, I'm done with killing. This is going to terrify me for the rest of my life. And thank goodness that it stopped right there because he said he wanted to kill his other two sisters and his grandparents. But after he saw the first two, he just couldn't bring himself to do it. Clearly
0: he became messed up in the head enough to let this movie really help push him over the edge. But at the same time, you know, once he actually did it, he has enough of a, of a soul, I guess, or conscience to, to feel like, whoa, (laughs) this was not what I was expecting. Because, you know, you watch this stuff in the movies, right? And someone gets murdered in a horror flick, and they go down and they're done. And in a lot of cases in real life, I don't think that's really how it goes. I mean, think about how many times you've stepped on a spider and the thing's still wiggling around for a second or two, and then it then it goes, you know? Imagine what a person does. Probably very similar. You get a lot of weird gurgling and twitching and all this, like, stuff that you they don't show you in the movies necessarily and they make it seem a lot more quicker and painless than it actually is. And, you know, his sister starts suffering in front of his eyes, and he's like, oh, shit,
1: what did I just do? Exactly. And when he had to go back and shoot his sister a second time, he said he was screaming at the top of his lungs, possibly hoping that he could hear her saying, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry what I've done. But then he still proceeds to finish her off. It's just really twisted. And I completely and totally agree for him to say that he wanted to kill his mom and his sister and didn't want them to feel anything is kind of crazy, too. That goes back to my point of maybe he had never shot a gun or maybe never went hunting and killed something because there's still an obvious amount of pain for that few seconds when you're shot. You know, depending on where and how you're shot, the movies definitely depict something totally different from reality, I guess is what I'm saying. You hit that spot on.
0: Yeah. And that's just what they're supposed to be. They're, you know, they're movies, they're entertainment. They're not meant to be ex- like hyper realistic in that regard. You know, the story is supposed to be compelling. And what makes a compelling story? Not watching somebody tortured <laughs> for the vast majority of people. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they're not going to show that. In in this case, you know, obviously he can't separate fiction from reality and he's having a hard time coping with that. You can hear in the 911 call, so let's just talk about that for a few minutes. Um, The 911 call is pretty interesting because when he calls in, you know, he's basically like, you know, he's ratting on himself, obviously, but he sits there and, you know, he's so monotone the entire time. And he has this way about the way that he's speaking where everything comes off so matter of fact, but I actually buy the fact that he was really messed up from what he had just witnessed. Did you feel the same way?
1: I definitely did feel the same way. I think it really did mess him up. And it's crazy to think, you know, during that 911 call, he gave a very good description of where his mom and sister were when he shot and killed them. And you have to believe that they were within his line of sight from the kitchen. While he's on the call, he could have possibly been looking at his sister dead at the bottom of the stairs. And that, just that visual to him while he's on the phone you know, I envision him on the phone talking to the 911 operator and he keeps looking back because he had to shoot his sister a second time to make sure she was dead. But I have a feeling that he was probably, you know, doing that double check over his shoulder to make sure she was still there. And then just a combination of all factors really, really, really messed him up. And I don't know if that's what drove him into that, that monotone state of, hello, I killed my sister. This is really going to mess me up. I, I must be evil. It didn't, he never changed pitch or tone or anything. It was so strange.
0: Yeah, it was very, very strange. You know, the entire call, even when he starts feeling like he's distressed, it just doesn't, his inflection doesn't change hardly at all. And that was really interesting. And a few notes I took out of that 911 call. The one, you know, thing that he says to the 911 operators that he didn't like the attitude of people, you know, in his statement, he says that too. And it seems like, you know, he was getting upset over the way that certain people were acting or treating people, and he specifically mentioned, you know, his sister being racist or sounding racist, and and then he mentioned, too, in the statement, I believe, that his family was watching the debates. So, this was 2012, if I have this correct, right? Correct.
1: Yes, it was 2012.
0: So, we were in the midst of a presidential election cycle and you know you could easily see how correlate it to today i mean it wasn't i don't feel like the noise was quite as high it's always high but there was still you know a lot going on in the background of this where i could see how if you're not able to clearly separate fact from fiction and all of this is the backdrop that's going on i can clearly see how you're not able to cope with it it can be very stressful if you let it. And it sounds like his family was engaged in politics a little bit, at least enough to watch the debates. And his sisters out there making racial comments and I believe at the time Obama was running for his second term and there was a little bit of that going on as the backdrop to everything. I I can just see where you could be inundated with media that doesn't necessarily li- line up to your beliefs and it and it gets under your skin. Like I I can see that taking place in this setting. And I think that's something that I haven't read anywhere else, but I feel like may have started to spin the cogs in his brain in this direction. You know, it's very easy for people to get disgusted politically and then lash out if you're not mentally stable.
1: Right. And then you throw in all of the, you know, his feelings on the racial side of things. It it just makes it even that much worse for someone. He obviously thought higher of people in some regards, but really disliked the fact that people were, you know, just so mean to each other. I don't know how else to say it. But then in turn, you turn around and think, well, this kid just killed his mom and sister. So, I mean, you're talking about the high, the highest form of evil when you resort to killing someone, especially your family. It's no less of a crime if you go out and kill a complete stranger than your family, but you th- to me it I don't know, maybe I'm off base here, but maybe it, it feels a little bit more it's definitely more personal. It totally is.
0: You know. It's an intimate crime when you kill someone you know. You know, you've you've talked to this person, you know their you know their thoughts, their feelings, you know, you know them. Um, there's just a lot more that goes into that than in a typical situation. So I I do find that a little bit interesting in the sense that you know, he had to, he chose to murder people and he picked his own family. So I don't know what that says about his family. (laughs) Were they that bad or was he just that crazy or a little bit of both? I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting. He mentions in that call that he felt suffocated by his family. So I don't know what that means. You know, obviously I know what it means, but like, what did it mean in his mind? What was suffocating him?
1: And he obviously, from the notes that you took on the 911 call, he obviously doesn't want to face the rest of his family for what he's done because he comes right out and says, you know, for future reference, I don't want any visitors in prison. So he he doesn't want to face his father and his other two sisters and possibly his grandparents or anyone else in his family based on what he had done. And maybe the rest of his family were smothering him. I don't know. It's the interesting side of this case would be to find some of the psychological evaluations uh, that I'm sure have happened since he's been arrested and now in prison this was in 2012 and you mentioned that he got I think he got two 45 year concurrent sentences since they couldn't you know give him the death sentences he was a teenager when the crimes happened but I, w- I would love to read his mental status and some of the notes around that if we could find them
0: Yeah those ones are usually pretty highly guarded <laughs> you're not getting those but yeah it's uh it's interesting just that you know he he went on this whole rampage and then the moment he calls 911 minutes after it happened he's just in this state of like i don't want anyone to talk to me i don't want to talk about it i don't want them to come visit me like he obviously feels so guilty and feels so much remorse for what he had done that he's not wanting to face his family face to face at this point because he's embarrassed of his actions and he should be he totally should be so that tells you there's like a little bit of something behind the eyes but he still managed to, to lose it for a minute, which, I mean, I think if everyone is honest with themselves, every one of us has kind of lost it in some way or another, and, you know, it doesn't manifest in killing people, but it does manifest itself in other ways. You know, we've all kind of just gone over the edge here or there, and for him, it was just this whole thing feeding this anger in him that he was having, and he obviously had no way of, of letting it out, at least in his mind. Sounds like he wasn't channeling his energy in a way that was productive. And, you know, that's a big thing with people in general. And just want to take a, a moment here to to mention, if you're feeling anxious or if you feel like you're having a hard time coping with things, two things that are immediately in your control that are somewhat easy to to get a grasp on to help you feel a little bit better is your diet and exercising. And it sounds really stupid, but the way that we've become so sedentary in this country and the junk that we feed ourselves, it's kind of a downward spiral into feeling like crap. So, you know, those two things can easily help you snap out of it. You know, give it 30 days, clean up your diet, get some exercise, see how you feel. Uh, You'd be surprised at the difference in your mental state
1: no, I I agree with what you're saying. Take care of yourself. I I think it all, it's all part of feeling better about yourself.
0: You and I both work in it for a living and I've worked from home before the pandemic hit. And part of what makes me feel normal every day is exercising and eating, eating right. You know, obviously I have an occasional, you know, cheat meal or something like that, or eat something i just really want to eat but in general i eat very very healthy and i exercise 5 6 days a week and the reason that i do that is because i've noticed when i don't and then i go sit at a computer for 8 to 10 hours a day i feel terrible i don't feel like myself you know and if i don't feel like myself then i'm grouchy or angry towards my family and it just it's something that i notice when i don't do it i feel way different. And it's an improvement in my life in a positive direction. Now, I don't think I'd ever go postal on my family here, but you never know, right? (laughs) Well, let's hope not. (laughs) Yeah, I'm totally kidding. But still, yeah. I I mean, it's just one of those things. I noticed an appreciable difference in the way that I feel uh, mentally and physically doing those things. So
1: saying those things and with discussing those things, Back to this case with Jake Evans too, though, how do you feel that a mental status changes over time once you've had time to resonate on something like this, something that's so personal and so close to you that you've, he was 17 years old when this happened, 2012 at eight years, he's now 25, 26 years old, spent a lot of time in prison. He's had a lot of time to definitely think and probably had lots and lots of meetings with therapists and things like that. Do you think time heals? I guess is what the question I'm trying to allude to.
0: I do. I mean, I think that time can heal, but also I think that if you don't have the proper mechanisms for dealing with this kind of trauma, something can easily set you off. Uh, you know, much like a drug addict, where they get out in into the world after recovery, and something, a pattern from their life that they once did, you know, comes back, and then it sets them back in that mode, and they relapse. I'm not necessarily saying that Jake could turn around and relapse and go wipe out the rest of his family, but I think that in his case, maybe the, the relapse is feelings, and he has a hard time dealing with the feelings. Because I think that if you're traumatized by wiping out part of your family, that's probably some major trauma that you're going to be strapped with for the rest of your life, and if he doesn't know how to cope with it effectively... You know he could easily be set into depression or maybe commit suicide or something of that nature. You know what I mean. Where are you at on that?
1: Absolutely, I agree, really you know serving time and we we've alluded to this time and time again how How much does prison really rehabilitate someone? He's grappling with his feelings, not that I'm advocating for what he'd done to his family, but now he he's in a prison setting. he's around some you know probably some pretty nasty individuals. I'd imagine and it's not really a good setting to sort out your feelings that's for sure I mean 45 years to think of that 17 years old you commit this crime you haven't even finished high school and you're immediately thrown in prison to spend essentially what is the rest of your life you've never experienced you know having a job or doing anything going to college normal everyday life never going to be married well I mean you can get married in prison but It's just crazy for me to think about. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I've lived a lot of life since I was 17. (laughs) I mean,
0: there's been a lot of stuff that I've done since then. And it's I couldn't imagine not having done that now. And you make a great point that I never really thought about. But yeah, at 17 years old, he threw away his entire life. And I don't know. But I will say this. Maybe it's all one giant setup and he's been playing us this whole time. And that he's about to break out of prison and come back wearing the white mask and stalk his entire town on Halloween night. Stay safe. Alright man, so what have you been working on in the quarantine? I know you've been uh, stuck in your garage for a few weeks. Or a few days, I should say.
1: Yeah, I spent probably the better part of four days working on my car, just stuff that needed to be done that I put off for a while. For those of, I mean, obviously, the, not very many people listening know us that well personally, but working in the garage and just tinkering around with stuff is something I really enjoy. So, I finally got it done after four days of bruised knuckles, sore muscles, achy back. I'm still feeling it today. It <laughs> literally my, my fingers and my wrists are so sore, dude, from pulling on a wrench that it, it hurts to type on my keyboard.
0: Oh, I bet. I bet. <laughs> yeah. That's, you kept texting me and telling me what you were up to. And I said, uh, yeah, I'm out on that. I don't have the patience for that stuff. Not at that level. You, I mean, you were basically tearing apart the whole front end of a car and putting it back together, which A, I don't know how to do. B, I'm sure I could figure it out on YouTube, but don't want to. And C, I would just get frustrated. Yeah, spending four days working on a car would just irritate the hell out of me.
1: Yeah, it was definitely irritating and stressful, but it's done now, all is well. My little car feels like a new car driving down the road now, so. But, I mean, this is a good chance to say kudos to those people that do that for a living because, as I said, I like to do that kind of stuff and tinker around, but it's not something that I would want to do as a career.
0: No, not at all. And, you know, that's the thing, like, I respect the hell out of those kind of people, you know, I actually, I really enjoy that kind of stuff. But the problem that I have for me is I'm just not patient enough to want to deal with it because the thing is something always breaks right when I need to use it or need to do something or there's something else and I'm trying to just get it done real quick. And then I feel like this pressure to be done and then it always takes like 10 times longer to fix it than you thought it would. And it's, that's, that's the part that frustrates me. It's not the actual physical manual labor part of it. It's more like the process around it and external forces that always irritates me.
1: Yeah, for sure. But back to what we were talking about at the end of that case there, where you said that, you know, diet and, you know, exercise are two things that make you feel better about day to day. This quarantine has, has languished on so long at this point where, you know, we're staying at home we're we're going through the routine. Every day just feels like the same, you know, get the kids up, make sure they get their online schoolwork done, make sure I'm getting my work done. I seriously felt like I was getting into a a gigantic rut, but in that four days of going out in the garage, I mean, I took two days off of work, you know, I, I rolled two days of the weekend into the first two days of the week, but going out in the garage, I mean, I actually, at some point it felt pretty good just to get away from the keyboard, get away from the computer get away from conference calls every day, get away from my normal routine and just go out there and work on the car by myself. My son helped me quite a bit. I mean, he didn't help me quite a bit, but from the aspect of, you know, just coming out there and watching me and, and hey mm-hmm. being my gopher, essentially, <laughs> it felt pretty good. Oh yeah. That's the thing.
0: Like if you can schedule your life around like, one of those kind of projects, I feel the same way. Like, there's been several times I've stopped and done, like, a home renovation project where I took days off work, knew I was going to do it, planned it out. I love that. That's fine. It's a great break from the day-to-day. It's when it comes up unexpectedly and it intrudes on everything else, and then you're, like, putting in extra hours trying to, you know, get something done, and you're stressing out about, like, just finishing it and being done with it. Like, that's the part that frustrates me, because, as you know, you took possession of an old mower of mine. That mower and I were not friends. That thing would break on me literally every fucking time I needed to mow the grass. And I just got sick and tired of having to fix it every time. And, I, you know, I put a lot of Band-Aids on it because I knew I the mower came with the home that I purchased, you know, back then. And it was a decent mower, but eventually, like, we moved on to another home and it has a huge yard and I needed something bigger to mow with than what I had, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep the Band-Aid on this thing. I'm not going to really put all the effort into really fixing it, because, you you know, I could have, I just didn't really want to, and then you took it over. Are you still using that thing?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I whipped that bad boy into shape. <laughs>
0: yeah, good. See, it needed to go to a good home. So, I'm glad you took it over and maintained it, because I was getting pissed off at it. <laughs> I wouldn't kick kicked that fucking thing every time I got on it.
1: Oh yeah. It it started out that way for me when I when I got it from you, I you know I mean you were forthright and said, Oh, this thing is just one thing after another, it's really pissing me off. So I just started with the little things and, you know, went over it real well and then it 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 was the same way for me. I thought it was cursed for a moment. I would I would (laughs) mow the grass, something would break, I'm like, Oh shit, I just fixed this, now this is wrong and I, I kept going and then eventually got to the point where now now it fires up every time. I haven't had any trouble with it for probably, oh, I don't even know how long I've had it now, but this mowing season has been great. And the end of last, last season was really good. So, you know, I, I took the liberties of adding a few different things to it too, because I know that it wouldn't start with a key. That was a problem. So I'm like, you know what? I really don't want to fuck with the electrical and taking the ignition out. So I wired up a push button, start and bypassed a bunch of stuff, but that was more or less Yeah, there you go. That was more or less something like, hey, I saw this on YouTube. Can I do this myself? And I tried it and it worked. I'm like, oh, holy shit, Sweet. this is great.
0: <laughs> I love when that. Word. Actually, I had something similar, but on a way smaller scale happened yesterday. So this is the life of quarantine people. My son had inherited a toy from 1992 from my mother-in-law, and it was a this play school Frankenstein. And he's probably like, I don't know a foot and a half tall and it's pretty, you know, it's pretty big, thick, huge ass Frankenstein. It's pretty cool looking. And, uh, if you open up its chest, it has like gears inside of it and a little heart and like an electrical flip switch on it and it makes noise and stuff, but it never worked. And we were messing around with it and he's been playing with it the last couple of days. And I we had tried batteries in it, new batteries, you know, right after we got it and it wasn't working. And I thought to myself, because the batteries had corroded in that compartment, I was like, you know what? There's got to be a way to like remove this corrosion to make those contacts work again. Cause I bet you that's all that this is. And it'll work as soon as I get that cleaned. And sure enough, hit YouTube for a second. I'm like, I bet, you know, it's probably a baking soda solution of some kind. And sure enough, that's exactly what it was. And hit it up with a little old toothbrush and put some batteries in it. And bam, that sucker started working and he was so pumped. I'm like, all right, nice. another win for quarantine. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Definitely. I don't remember that toy from ninety two, but I've I've got a bunch of my old stuff from when I was a kid that my son will eventually inherit. He's actually wanting to to decorate our office with it, but we'll we'll see. I've still got it <laughs> boxed up. Yeah,
0: well, the other uh the other item that's fascinating during quarantine is I've mowed my yard probably three or four times as we're recording this. This is what, May 9th? And it is fucking snowing outside right now, like collecting on the ground snow.
1: Yeah, I was just going to mention that Thursday I mowed my grass. I got the trimmer out. I Everything looked perfect. I've had my lawn treated once already. I mean, it, it looked like the perfect manicured yard. And then come to today, and like you said, I was going to mention it as well. It is, you know, tomorrow's Mother's Day as we record this show, and it is fucking snowing. Freeze warning. Polar vortex. Oh my gosh, dude. What the it's fuck? the worst. It's <laughs> the worst. <laughs> yeah. I'm starting to believe all these conspiracy theorists that say that we're uh, we're in the beginning stages of the end of the world with coronavirus and lockdown and just everything. No kidding, man. No kidding. Well, you know, it is what it is. Oh, one other quarantine project that I finished just real quick. I got the motorcycle also, was a garage project It's ready to go, so it needs to quit fucking snowing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have any fun toys like that. I'd probably kill myself on a motorcycle. I'm really just... Uh, what I'm looking forward to is probably next year, maybe, getting a, uh, a truck, I think, is what I'm going to try to get. I've been wanting one forever. I have a lot of projects around here that I could benefit from being able to actually haul shit around, and... Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Dude, so the one thing that I've had an issue with lately too is there's been a run on play sets apparently online and you cannot order them anywhere. I was looking for one. I found one on Sam's Club I was going to order. Then I waited a night. I looked. It was gone. Went to Wayfair. Wayfair was having a sale on them. I wanted to talk to my wife about the one that I thought we should get. And by the time I found it, like during work hours at like around like noon, one o'clock and the time I got off work at like four or five o'clock and then I went over and we put put my son to sleep that night and it was probably like eight o'clock. I was like, all right, let's pop on here and order this thing. It was sold out. Right. And I can't, I can't find them anywhere. They're all gone everywhere.
1: Now, are you talking about kind of like the wooden play sets with the swings and the slides and kind of like some of the jungle gym stuff for the kids to play on in the yard?
0: Yeah, I'm talking about a giant clusterfuck of a project I'm about to get
1: myself into. <laughs> Speaking of headaches. Hit me up after we're done. I might have a reference for you to find one. But you, you triggered me there with what you just said because <laughs> way, Wayfair, you are on my fucking shit list. You motherfuckers. <laughs> the same thing happened to us. My daughter's birthday was the end of April and quarantine it's almost impossible to get anything shipped right now in a decent amount of time even amazon prime is shot to shit right now but we decided we were going to buy a new trampoline for my daughter for her birthday because the one that she has now is just about you know ready to be recycled and thrown in the trash mm-hmm. so so we find this really nice trampoline a huge trampoline and all the accessories for it on wayfair there were two left according to what was on the website Mm-hmm. We order the trampoline and the stuff that we need for it a week later. And this is two weeks out from her birthday. We thought we would get it in plenty of time, and it's projected to be delivered, you know, the day before her birthday. And a week after we place the order, oh, we canceled your order for no reason whatsoever. Oh, no. I'm so pissed. And it took him a week to tell us that. So then we're scrambling to find her stuff for her birthday a week out and get it shipped on time. So frustrating, Damn, man. But my wife, she found a couple other things on Wayfair, and she ordered them. She paid for the expedited shipping to make sure they're here on time. Guess what? They showed up two days after. So
0: You got your I, money back on that shipping, though, right? Oh, absolutely.
1: I called and ripped them a new ass. They have
0: pretty good customer service. We had an issue, too, where we ordered something, and it like got delayed or damaged in transit or something, and then they had to ship us something else, and it just like took forever. But then the second
1: time they shipped it, it came really fast. Yeah. I don't know. They triggered me when you said Wayfair. I'm like, ooh, (laughs) damn you.